Well, very good. You may be seated. Wonderful, wonderful to see you here today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me today to 1 Timothy chapter 4, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 is where we'll find our place. Uh, Boy, I love our culture of honor. It's so neat to honor uh, those who have served in elder ministry and to thank them for their service. Uh, That's so cool. And uh, I didn't really have an opportunity in that particular context to spend a lot of time with Paul and Josh, but boy, they're two great guys and we really are grateful for their service. Uh, Hard to believe when our church was founded, I wasn't even born yet. Uh, I was born in 1970. Uh, So it's just, I was sitting there thinking, my goodness, that's really an an interesting thought. But next year, uh, the fall of 2018, we'll be celebrating 50 years as a church family, which is going to be a great, great celebration. And uh, boy, uh, Mary and uh, Martha were quick on that answer. And they were like within 13 or 14 seconds of each other. And I thought, well, uh, let's just honor them both for being uh, that that quick on the uh, trigger and having that answer. Uh, So good. Hey, I hope you had a chance to stop by the serving tables on the way in. Uh, A lot of tables there, some of the key areas in our church where you can get involved in serving the Lord. The last two weeks, we've talked about connecting in group life, very important. At Northwest Hills, we're super excited in this unique fall season to be introducing our neighbors to Jesus and helping them to grow in Him. And we think the three key environments that God's sort of calling us to focus on right now is our Sunday worship. And by the way, thank you for being here today for Sunday worship. Uh, And then encouraging you to join in with a a small group, uh, the college group, uh, midday groups. We've got weeknight groups, Sunday classes. None of those are competing interests. They're all complementing interests. And it's just a matter of finding which one works the best for you. And you might be like eager to get into a ladies' study. There's some awesome studies for ladies, for men, uh, differing age groups, differing topics. And you can go on our website at nwhills.com and see that whole list and get all of the information there, as well as serving opportunities. And uh, I hope you got your serving interest opt-in card on your way in. You can look at that. Uh, you can turn it in if, you, if you've got it ready to go right after the service today in one of the offering boxes or, or a drop it to a, hand it to a staff member if you'd like. Or if you want to take it and pray over it and uh, look at it and think about it, you can bring it back next week because we'll be featuring again next week wonderful serving opportunities. And so as we come together to worship on Sunday, as we connect into a life group during the week, and then we find that one key place where we can use all of our individual unique uh, gifts and abilities to serve the Lord, we're really believing it's going to all measure up to an extremely exciting fall. You say, Pastor Mike, I don't think I have a a gift or or something that I can offer. Don't you think that for a minute. Uh, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are awesomely and wonderfully made because you've been made in the image of your Creator God. And you have certain gifts and abilities uh, that are unique to you, that are special in you, that God wants you to use to serve your family, to serve in the community, and in our church. And if there's something that's, that, that you have in your heart that's not on here, uh, let us know. I've had a couple of people do that and come up with some really 
great, unique ideas that are just awesome. And we as pastors, we just want to help you find your right niche and turn you loose and let you soar and how exciting that is when that happens. So connecting in groups and serving and fellowshipping and worshiping on Sunday is what it's all about this fall here at Northwest Hills. Today we continue our Thrive series. Someone told me there's some signs around town that says text this number and learn how you can thrive. I did not put those there. Uh, Somebody has co-opted our thrive idea. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. They're probably selling you supplements or something. I don't know. But uh, everybody wants to thrive. We want to thrive in our life. We want to thrive in our marriages. We want to thrive in college. I remember uh, being a freshman in college and I was studying so hard, working so hard, I wanted to thrive, and some of the classes were easier than others, and navigating dorm, new dorm relationships, I, I can remember that. And, and man, we all want to thrive. And this series is about aligning ourselves under the authority of God's Word so that we can thrive as our Creator has designed us to and equips us to from the truth of His Word. Today, First Timothy chapter 4 is where we'll find our place. We're going to read down, and we're really going to take special note as we come down to verse 8 and verse 9 this morning. Let's read together 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. So you got to be careful of those people that tell you you shouldn't eat certain things. Just kidding. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God in prayer. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. We know Timothy's spiritual life began with his grandmother and his mother, uh, with Lois and Eunice. They were ministering to him. They were imparting spiritual truth to him. It does not appear from what we know that there was a male figure in Timothy's life. And Paul comes along and to a degree fills that role and becomes a life and spiritual mentor to young Timothy. And, and along with his mom and grandmother, uh, all this spiritual input is going in. And what a cool example that is that sometimes our families maybe uh, aren't exactly what we had hoped they would be or, or they work out a little different than we had expected. But listen, be of good courage. God's got this and you're not alone. And he can work through differing circumstances in amazing, amazing ways. I, maybe for Lois and Eunice, it all didn't work out like they had hoped, but God was still at work. And Timothy comes forth from that, and we have two books of the Bible that bear his name. God's got this. And and no matter how things are looking right now in your family, God can work through that in amazing ways. Don't be discouraged. Trust him. Look to him. Let him move and work in and through your family. I just love what Timothy and Lois and Eunice, what they say to us by their example. So this good teaching you followed, uh, Paul says, don't forget it. And don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, here's our phrase, train yourself to be godly. That's an interesting phrase. 
train yourself to be godly. If you have an older translation, it'll say, exercise yourself rather unto godliness. Exercise yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. This is fascinating. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life that is to come. By the way, that tells you why it's better why the spiritual training is even better than the physical training. We're going to learn together here in a moment, not that physical training is bad. Physical training, the Bible says, is good. But there's something that's even better. Train yourself, exercise yourself to be godly because it will promise benefits. Here it is in this life and in the life that is to come. Now look what it said. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. That's pretty bold, isn't it? That is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Here's what I want you to know today, number one, if we want to thrive, that it does involve physical health. Physical training, taking care of our physical bodies, is good. Now, there's a lot of ways in which we do that. Look at the first slide that's going to come up. Some of us like to run. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, Some people like, especially around Corvallis, I've almost hit a couple of these people, like to ride their bikes. I'm going to tell you what, I nearly had a heart attack the other day as I'm making a right turn and a guy comes right up beside me on his bike. He was doing nothing wrong. I was doing nothing wrong, but we were sort of turning simultaneously and I caught him out of my peripheral vision. I went, (gasps) right? Whoa, it scared me. I'm going to tell you what. And all kinds of people riding their bikes around Corvallis. That's an awesome thing. That's a wonderful thing because physical exercise, taking care of our physical bodies is a good thing. Uh, there's a lot of ladies and, uh, and guys and, and young people and older people that we see walking and hiking and exercising and biking. Uh, they're in the gym. How many of you this week went to the gym? Let me see your hand. You went to the gym. Wait a minute. I got to put mine down. I'll be lying in church. I'm going to put my hands in my pockets right now bad. How many of you went to the gym this week? Let me see your hands. You guys are awesome. Great job getting out there to the gym, working hard, working out, sleeping well, eating right. This is all good. The Bible says so. Did you catch it back there? Physical exercise, physical training is good. It's good for you. I've got a great friend down in Las Vegas who had two massive heart attacks in his early 40s, early to mid 40s. Um, His name is Landy. And those two massive heart attacks really got his attention. And he began to radically change his life. And he is probably the most fit human being that I know. To the uh, degree that he is one of the main stage workout partners with a guy named Tony Horton, the founder of P90X. Some of you guys have done that or familiar with that. And Landy's always working out doing the P90X with the Tony. And he is in the best physical shape of any person that I've ever seen in my life. And he said, Mike, the reason I made these radical changes is because I wanted to live. I wanted to be able to be here for my wife and see my daughters graduate from high school. And maybe one day, if it's the Lord's will, walk down the aisle and get married. And the path I was on, I, I don't think I would have been here uh, for the long haul had I not made these radical changes. And I, I said, Landy, man, what, tell me the secrets to getting healthy. 
What's the secrets to, to getting back to that, that place where we're, we're healthy, we're in shape, and, and we've got this dialed in? And, and I'll put them up here for you. Here's what he said to me. He said, in cooperation with your medical professionals in your life, you need to, Irwin. And he was always getting in my face. He said, you need to go talk to your doctor. You need to tap into the nutritionist. We've got so many of these amazing, wonderful people. I'm so thankful for good doctors and nutritionists and medical professionals and all that they know, and they can guide us, and they can help you, and they're a wonderful resource in your life. Um, in cooperation with medical professionals in your life, you need to. He said, Erwin, it's really simple. He says, number one, you got to eat clean. He said, dude, you need to put down the barbecue sandwiches. He said, you need to put down the fries. He said, have you ever heard of something called like kale quinoa? And I'm like, huh? No, I'm kidding. I know what it is. Uh, and, you know, he said, you got, you got to make better choices in eating. How about working at every day, making good decisions to eat clean? He said, number two, you got to rest well. He says, a lot of people underestimate the value of being well-rested, both physically, and I would say this as a pastor, and spiritually. I had a, a professor and mentor early on in my life that says, you can only be as spiritual as you are rested. That's an interesting quote. I have to wrestle with that one a little bit this afternoon. Eat clean, rest well, exercise regularly. He said, Erwin, it's that simple. And he said, take it one day, one meal at a time. Don't try to change it all. Don't try to scope it all. He said, pick a good exercise plan. Come to every meal that you have and try to make the very best decisions that you can. Get good rest. Eat clean, rest well, exercise regularly. If you love to bike, buy a bike. If you love to hike, buy some hiking shoes and go. If it helps you to work out in a gym to get that physical consistency going, go because physical exercise is good. You know what I was thinking this week? When we're physically healthy, when we're physically fit, you know what it does? It gives us more energy, more clarity, and more vitality then to make these investments in what matters most, which is our spiritual life. And I think they can work together. A lady came up to me after our first service and said, my husband and I have a tandem bike. Those are cool. Uh, when we lived up in Hillsborough, we used to go over to um, Sun River a lot, and we would rent those tandem bikes, those alley cats, right? And, and uh, I would be riding, and we would get an alley cat and put one of our kids on the back, and they're fun. And she said, my husband and I, we, listen to this, we ride our tandem bike all over town together, and we're listening as we go to the Bible and we're talking about what we're listening to. We have our prayer time. She said, we've combined physical exercise with our ability also just to work on uh, spending time with God in the Scriptures. I'm like, wow, you are the most ultimate efficient person I've ever met. That's so cool. You can go to the gym and you can be on one of the treadmills, I mean treadmill, and you're just walking there, right? And you've got your earphones in and you're listening to a good podcast, you're listening to a, a, your favorite preacher, you're listening to the scriptures, or you're just having a time in prayer. You can combine those things, take your whole life to a whole other level when we do that. So great. I love the way the scripture encourages us that physical training is good. Now Listen. It would be easy for some of us today to feel discouraged. Don't feel discouraged. There's therefore now no condemnation than they're in Christ. If you are doing well with your exercise, let me just encourage you, keep up the good work. You're on the right track. If you've been off that track, when's the next best time to start? Today. It would have been great if you had started yesterday. Guess what? Yesterday's history. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today's a gift. That's why we call it the present. You know when the best time to start is? Today. 
and just start again with those three simple things. As you approach every meal, try to eat clean, make it the best meal you can. That food is fuel. Rest well tonight. And tomorrow, maybe it just starts with going for a walk. Just getting out and getting active because physical training is good and it'll give us clarity. It'll drain away some stress. It'll give us some energy that we can then invest in the ultimate exploration, which is our spiritual training. And this is how we thrive. There's no way that you can thrive spiritually if you're not physically capable to be able to read the Word and to pray and to have life and to have breath and to be able to function. They work together. I think God wants us healthy, mind, body, and soul. It's amazing how connected those are in our life. Physical training is good. 1 Timothy 4.8. I hope you'll never forget this verse. But training for godliness is even better. Because it promises benefits not only in time, but in eternity. When you exercise in the spiritual gym, you are laying up treasures in eternity. You're making an investment in eternity. And when you take your body and you go work out and you combine the spiritual life with that, that is such a cool picture. Exercise thyself in the older translations. Exercise, exercise. Said three times in two verses. In the newer translations, train yourself, one. Train yourself, two. Train yourself, three. And that word, if you look at it in the original language, is the word from which we get our English word, gymnasium. Gymnasium yourself physically because it's good. Eat clean, rest well, exercise regularly. But you've got to gymnasium yourself spiritually, that's even more important. That's even better. And Paul is inviting Timothy, and Paul is inviting us right here on October 1st, 2017, into the spiritual gym. Can you smell the gymnasium? The smell of spiritual sweat, where people are working out, where they're really putting in the work to develop, to train themselves to be godly in their life. When I think of physical training, because it's such a huge thing in our society, when I think of physical training, my mind is filled with all kinds of images. I, 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 it took, uh, it took uh, Jeremy and I, when he was so gracious to help me with these slides, it took us uh, two or three minutes. Well, there's biking, there's hiking, there's the gym, there's CrossFit. There, uh, I thought about it when I was a child. Um, my junior year of high school, I had two goals. I wanted to bench press 300 pounds and be able to slam, a ba- uh, slam dunk a basketball. And so I ordered, these, I ordered these bands online, these like isometrics bands that you put under your... And they were supposed to be able to help you with your vertical leap. Every day I went to the mailbox. Oh, they're not here today because I'm going to be able to dunk a basketball. And I go every day to the mailbox waiting for those bands to come. You know, sports and training and, and athletics and, and, and physical fitness is so huge and has been for so long in our society that we just can instantly think of all these images. But what images do you think of when we talk about training yourself spiritually? When exercising in the spiritual gym is talked about and we go, ah, what, uh, what, what, what is... What is Paul talking about here? Today, Paul says to the Northwest Hills family at 1030, hey guys, come with me into the spiritual gym. 
and train yourself to be godly. This message is what I simply call five to thrive. And it's the five daily disciplines that we all can uh, explore, we can think about, we can consider. I'm not layering them on you, pushing them on you. I just want to invite you to consider them and making them a priority in your life that we would put them in sort of a complement to the physical training we're doing, which is good, so that our spiritual life can thrive as well. I think the first one, don't put the slide up quite yet, the first one might be one that you could uh, figure out what it is. When I accepted Christ at the age of 10, uh, thankfully I was in a wonderful Bible teaching church, and man, they gave me a Bible. They taught me how to uh, do daily devotions, how to journal. They gave me a scripture memory pack. They really, and I'm so grateful for that. They not only led me to Christ, pointed me to Him, showed me and taught me what the gospel of Jesus was all about and how to access that into my life through repentance, faith, belief, if you will. But they also began to disciple me and help me get into the Word of God and and taught me what prayer is and taught me about Scripture memory and taught me how to begin to get into the spiritual gym even as a young man. You know, people can do this no matter what their age, no matter what their stage. If you're not doing some of these daily spiritual disciplines right now, when's the next best time to start? Today. It would have been awesome if you'd been doing them all last year. But that's okay. There's no condemnation that they're in Christ. The next best time to start is today. And I think the first most fundamental way that we can get into the spiritual gym would be the equivalent of us going today and buying a good pair of walking, hiking, or running shoes. Or maybe just buying a pair of workout pants and a sweatshirt. All right, I've got my gear. I've got what I need to to be uh, sort of fitted out appropriately to get into the physical gym. It's that fundamental. And the first way that we can thrive is through Bible, reading, and prayer. You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? You know, I've had people saying that to me ever since I accepted Christ at the age of 10. It always, always comes back to Bible study and prayer. To Bible study and prayer. To getting into the Word of God every day and allowing the Word of God to get into us. You know, when you open the Bible, which is like the owner's manual for life, which is like the instruction manual that God gives us for life. When you open that Bible and and we begin to read it, we begin to learn it, we begin to love it, we begin to live it, we obey it, I'm going to tell you what, it changes everything from the inside out. And it's, the I think, the ultimate foundational way in which we exercise ourselves rather unto godliness. We get into the Word. I think it's why Job said, I've esteemed thy words, O Lord, more necessary than my very physical food. I think it's why King David said in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation. Watch this, church, all the day. I think it's why Paul said to Timothy again, Oh, Timothy, don't ever miss the joy of studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman or workwoman in the word that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's why Joshua... If you'll look there with me, and it's our flagship verse for this point, Joshua chapter 1. It's why he now is taking leadership from Moses, who has passed away. Joshua is kind of leading a, a rough crew of people. They're going to cross the Jordan River. They're going to try to take the land that was promised them. But it's not going to be easy because it's already inhabited by other people. And this is no a light task that Joshua has. He's following a 
very strong leader, Moses. He's got a big task before him. And look what is said to Joshua in chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to, the, to their ancestors. I would give them. If you want to read about that, Genesis 11 through 15. Be strong and very courageous. Twice that's said. In fact, that's said three times in this passage. Be strong and courageous. Listen, if you're trying to get started again on physical exercise, for some people in this room, it might be literally a matter of life and death, like it was my friend Landy. It's not easy. We all know that. But listen what God wants you to hear today. Be strong and courageous. You can do it. Be strong and courageous. You can get back to where you need to be. Be strong and courageous. How about getting started spiritually? That can be breathtaking as well. Pastor Mike, I've started time and time again. I don't know. Be strong and very courageous. God is with you. God is with you. Three times that is said. We need that today. We need that in this thing called life. We need to hear those words. Be strong and courageous. Look what's said in verse 7. Be strong, there it is, and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. There it is. Don't deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. What happens when you obey every word of the Scriptures? See, the words of Moses was all that Joshua had to that point. In other words, everything that you've received as far as revelation to point to this moment in your life, Joshua, obey it. Learn it, love it, here it is, live it. And do you see this promise? I'm going to tell you, this blows me away. Do not deviate from the right or the left. Look at this promise. Then you will be, what does your Bible say there? Then you will be, say it out, that word please. Successful, that's right. What? Then you will be successful. I think the next two words are even more breathtaking. In everything you do. Whoa! Do you want to be successful in everything you do? I've got, the, I've got the secret. You've got the secret if you're holding a Bible. You've got the secret if you have a Bible on your phone or on that tablet. You've got the secret to being successful in your marriage, successful with your parenting, successful in your career, successful as a neighbor, successful in that physical exercise. You want to be successful in those things? Then you need to obey, I need to obey, we need to obey this Bible, these 66 love letters from God's heart to our heart. When we do, you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. What a promise. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. What's that word mean, that word meditate? It just simply means to think prayerfully, deeply, analytically about it. It's not a matter of checking yourself out. It's a matter of checking yourself in. I'll never forget, as a young man, I was in high school, and I stopped by to visit my pastor. I don't know why I was at the church during the week, but I went in to see Pastor Mays and say hi to him. And he's sitting in his chair, and he's sitting back in his chair, and I thought he was sleeping. And I said, Pastor Mays, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to wake you. He said, oh, son, I wasn't sleeping. He said, I was just meditating on a wonderful verse I had just read. 
What was he doing? He was thinking about it. He, he was just marinating in it. He was absorbing it. He was receiving it. He was chewing on it. He was thinking about it. He was meditating actively on it. He, he had blocked out all of the distractions. And man, he was just chewing on what that verse meant, what it could mean in his life, maybe strategies to apply it. This is what biblical meditation is all about. It's extremely active. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. Obey it. Live it. Then look at the promise. Then you and I, we will be what? Successful in everything we do and we will prosper. And this Bible reading and prayer goes together like a hand in a glove. It's like two sides of the same coin. We open up our Bibles. Lord, we've esteemed your word more necessary than our very physical food. We're studying to show ourselves approved under God. We're meditating like King David on this law of the Lord daily. We're living in it and with it. We hear from God as He speaks to us from His Word, and then He invites us to speak back with Him in this beautiful conversational relationship called prayer. And we open the Bible and He speaks to us, and then we have the opportunity to pray and talk with Him. And then we walk and talk with our God in a daily conversational relationship. Wait a minute, Pastor Mike, I thought we did all this spiritual stuff just on Sunday. Let me encourage you not to compartmentalize your spiritual life into one day of the week. But take that with you every day. It's not a part of our life. My friends, I would contend this is our life as we get into God's Word And we read and we listen and we learn to obey and we have the opportunity to speak back with him through the amazing joy of prayer. And we have this daily conversational relationship with our God. How in the world, Pastor Mike, can I thrive? What does it look like for me to go into the spiritual gym? I think it all starts with a commitment to regular Bible reading and prayer. Because God wants to walk with you and talk with you and equip you to navigate successfully this thing called life, where at times it can be challenging. Do you know that sometimes the marriage relationship can be challenging? I mean, just a little bit, right? Challenging. And we need some help. We need some instruction. We need some... The Word of God offers it. Do you know that sometimes the employee-employer relationships can just be a little bit challenging? You know, we need some help. We need some encouragement. You know, the Bible has a tremendous amount to say about that. Do you know that sometimes raising toddlers can be just a little bit challenging? Do you know I went into parenting with this idea that if I parented our kids just perfectly right, I mean, if I just, honey, if I just get this right, I mean, just like Dr. Dobson has trained us, I mean, you know, if I do this right, and I mean, I get down on one knee and I'm calm and I give them clear instruction, I call them to immediate obedience and I do this, I mean, I execute this, I mean, with the right motive and the right way and the right tone, I do this perfectly right, then they're going to walk away from that and they're going to obey as a cherub and they're going to soar and we're going to soar and it'll all be done. And I had to learn that you have to do that over and over and other issues are created because they ignore and you got, and you got to up the ante and, and you got to be as committed to your call for obedience as they are with their actions of disobedience. And, and what in the world? Lord, we need your help to be godly parents. Because parents, listen to Pastor Mike. Please listen to Pastor Mike. You've got to win those battles when they are young. 
You've got to train them well when they are young. I mean, you've got to get them pointed and you've got to get this right when they are young because if you don't, to try to make those corrections when they're older, while it's not impossible, is a lot, lot more difficult. Man, we got to get it right when they're young, right? So for young parents that are here, God bless you. God bless you. This is the time to get these things and allow the Word of God to shape your parenting. Allow the Word of God to shape our grandparenting. What an honor to be a grandparent. And to have, I think, one of the most unique, powerful, amazing opportunities to speak in to our grandchildren's lives. Where we can help our our kids a little bit with a little bit of gray space where they can breathe and yet we can take those kids or speak into those kids, love those kids and make an impact that I think is so incredibly powerful with all that we have learned to this point in our life. Guys, this is amazing. How do we get equipped for all of this? Through the Word of God and prayer. It's It's the shoes, it's the hiking boots, it's the cleats, It's the sweatpants. It's the jogging suit of the spiritual gym. And then number two, and we'll be done. We're only going to get two of the five today because we did sort of our setup here, and then we'll finish the last three next week. So it's a uh, shameless attempt to get you back next week Uh, for two weeks in a row of attendance. That would be amazing, and that would be life-changing for all of us. Uh, So we'll finish the last three next week. Uh, But I want you to show you the last one of the two today over in Ephesians chapter 5. And this is a bit of a a preview. Next week, we'll wrap up our Thrive series, and we'll be starting a brand new teaching series where we'll be teaching through the book of Ephesians. And I'm so excited to go on that journey with you. It's a wonderful book. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 uh, what a great, great passage, starting with verse 18. Well, let's start with verse, verse 15. Um, in many ways, this is what I feel like is my, one of my roles in your life as your pastor. Ephesians 5.15 is to simply make this statement to you, so be careful how you live. So be careful how you live. I go and look at myself in the mirror every day. You know what I hear? Be careful how you live. You've got one life. You've got one life. You've got one chance to love your wife today. You've got one chance to parent your kids today. You've got one chance to be a neighbor today. I don't know if I'll have tomorrow. Boast not yourself of tomorrow. We know not what a day may bring. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm rejoicing and being glad in it, and this is the day I have. I don't know if I'll have another. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the will of the Lord is or what the Lord wants you to do. And here's one right out of the gate. He makes it very clear. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. That is so true, isn't it? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And as a pastor, I encourage people all the time, to take one giant step away from any forms of drunkenness in their life. You know why? Because I love them and I care and and I know that living like that will ruin your life. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, look how we use a negative illustration to accentuate the positive. Instead, be filled, or the actual word there that's maybe a little better one for us to navigate with right here in 2017 is be controlled 
by the Holy Spirit. I think it's one of the greatest secrets of the Christian life. That we would make the daily decision. I understand from the Scriptures, my theology would say this, you're saved one time and once for all. There is one moment in your life where you come face to face with the glorious gospel of Jesus. We love the fact that this cross is here. You really come to that cross at one time in your life and you go, oh my word, someone loved me so much that he took all of my sin and all of its guilt upon him and and it was nailed to that tree. He was my substitute. He died in my place and he went to the grave for me. He went to the cross for me. He came out of that tomb for me. And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. And we come face to face with that gospel and we, and we unlock or we unwrap that greatest love gift ever given. His name is Jesus for ourselves when we repent and when we put our faith and trust in what he did alone on that cross. He did for us and provides for us what we cannot do or provide for ourselves. And we unwrap the gospel of Jesus into our life and he changes us forever. And we make that decision to receive him in the pardon and forgiveness of sin one time. And after we receive him, we go public with what has happened through the beautiful uh, decision of baptism. And baptism is simply going public, letting the world know what Christ has done in your life. And we make that public identification, watch this, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to say, He has changed me, and I want all the world to know. But then there's this daily decision that we have to make. We make the decision, accentuating the negative by the positive, the positive with the negative, not to be drunk with wine when it's excess, but to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Here it is. We go to the Western movie set. We go to a John Wayne Western and there's the stagecoach driver and the bandits coming up on the stagecoach and the stagecoach driver does what? As he's running that team of horses, he takes the reins and he does what? So that he can reach down and grab his rifle. He takes the reins and he hands it to the person who's riding what, church? Shotgun. That's right. And you go, oh man, it's about ready to get on. And that's exactly the picture of what it means to every day that we get up on our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, you get the point to say, Lord, this day is not mine. This life is not mine. I've been saved and redeemed by you. The Holy Spirit, the moment I received him, came into my life to indwelt me. He baptized me into the Spirit. He placed me into the body of Christ. I've lived that out through baptism in a public identification of an inward change. It's like my wedding ring. I'm just letting everyone know that my wife and I are committed heart to heart through baptism. I let everyone know that Jesus and I are committed heart to heart. The moment I was saved, he placed me, he baptized me into the body of Christ. I've become a part of this giant global family. And all that happens in salvation, but there's this daily decision post-salvation that all of us have to make. And that's the decision to with my Monday, that I'm not going to be in charge today. That I'm going to give the reins of this day over to the Holy Spirit's control. And I enter that office following His leadership, guidance, and direction. And I enter that day following His leadership, guidance, and direction. And I enter that day allowing Him to speak to me and lead me as we're praying and we're 
meditating on the Word throughout that day. I'm letting Him lead, guide, and direct my every step. I do not have to do this day all in my own strength and by my own ability. He wants to fuel me and guide me and direct me and to prompt me and to lead me. Don't be drunk with wine. We're in his excess. You've seen an intoxicated person. They are under the control of a intoxicating beverage. So should be the believer so under the control, not of an intoxicating beverage, but under the control of the Holy Spirit of God that came to live within them the moment they were saved. And so we what? We make the daily decision to yield to the Spirit's control. No reckon yield. No reckon yield. We know who we are in Christ We consider ourselves to be dead to sin, our former way, and we what? We yield to the Holy Spirit's control. I think the two most important words, I was thinking about this all weekend, the two most important words in the believer's vocabulary post-salvation are the words identity and choices. We live in the reality of who we are in Christ and the choices that we are called to make every day, not to live in our own strength, but to surrender our life to the Spirit of God's control. And what a day that will bring. This is what it looks like to come into the spiritual gymnasium. Paul says, crack the door and come on in. Read your Bible and pray. And make the daily decision as a part of that Bible and prayer time to surrender the reins of control from your hands into the loving, gentle, leading, gracious, effective hands of God in your life. Everything will change. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You will do what you were created to do. You will thrive. Final thought that I did not share with the folks at 9. This is a bonus thought for 10.30. You make these decisions. You know, the physical and the spiritual have the most interesting correlations. You know the first two weeks of working out, eating clean, resting well, You just feel so great. You just feel so exhilarated. You just feel so happy and joyful. Baloney! You're bringing the sugar down out of your diet, and you've got a headache, and your body aches from working out, and you're just like, I just want a cold Coca-Cola, and I just want people to leave me alone, and just I'm just going to go back to my... This is miserable. For the first two weeks, you're just trying to get your diet right, and you're exercising, and you're... Come on, let's, right? It's a struggle when you're changing up your diet and you're just like, who, who even brought this up? It, was, it had to be a demonic voice that suggested this because I feel horrible. Of course. But something happens about two weeks in, doesn't it? You guys know this. I can tell faces. All, something happens about two weeks in and you get past this point and you're like, hey, I have a new clarity. I have a new energy. I feel so much better. Oh, this is awesome. You know what? The same thing is true spiritually. 
you start making the decision to read your Bible and pray or to make that decision to start again, you make the decision to give the reins over and you're going to live from a different vantage point. This isn't you trying to control every day, but you're going to let the Holy Spirit be in control and you're going to follow His lead. Can I just tell you something? Listen to me. The enemy will try to absolutely do everything he can. I've just watched this for 25 years within the first two weeks to try to discourage you. Things will get worse before they get better. If you know what I mean, he'll throw a little discouragements at you, snare. He'll try to. Th- you'll be like, why did I ever, why did I ever recommit? It, my life was easier when I wasn't reading my Bible. You'll have that thought. But if you'll hang in there, I've watched it for 25 years, for two weeks. Something will happen. There'll be a shift. And you will have a breakthrough. And it will be wonderful. And I think the physical and the spiritual mirror each other in those realities. So if you have got all of this going right now in your life, Pastor Mike is here to say this to you today. Keep up the good work. This is amazing. If you need to get started again today, Pastor Mike is here to say this to you. Be strong and of good courage. You can do it with God's help. And you don't have to do it on your own. That's the whole point of Ephesians chapter 5. Let him lead, guide, enable, help, bless you as you get into the Word, as you work on your physical and you work on your spiritual in tandem, and you begin to thrive mind, body, and soul. It'll be hard for the first couple of weeks, but you'll hit a moment where you'll step into a breakthrough that'll be amazing for your life. Next week, we'll finish the final three disciplines in a simple message I call Five to Thrive. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, how wonderful it is, how practical this section of Scripture is to us. And as we ponder it now, as we, as we think about how you want to work in our life, Lord, just make, make us open, make us teachable, make us pliable to what you want to say to us, what you want to do in and through us. And Lord, to bring us every day to that moment of surrender where we don't try to do this, where we don't try to do our spiritual life, Lord, where we, we have that same reality every day that we had the moment we came to your cross and we said, nothing in our hands we bring, simply to thy cross we cling. May every day we come to our day, our Monday, and say, nothing in our hands we bring, Lord, we surrender all. Now, Lord, you, you lead us and guide us and we'll go with you and go and step with you and do everything you want us to do in this day. Lord, we want to walk with you. We want to yield to you. We want to be in your word. Lord, we ask you to help us make those realities true. Lord, we want to be physically healthy so we can be spiritually healthy. Lord, give us the courage and the strength to keep going. Lord, some folks in this room just need to keep going. May they feel cheerleaded and encouraged on today. Some people in this room need to start again, whether in the physical or the spiritual. May they feel inspired today with the courage and the strength they need to take those next steps. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.